these times now when we see that there's, there's that seismic shift, you can feel it. And when we create that, we create an opportunity for a reboot. It's rather like rebooting a system. And suddenly it's like we enter something with more of a, I'd say, a beginner's mind where maybe it's just, it's given us a bit of space in amongst the cluttered up consciousness to, to see change, to hear things differently. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a man on a mission to help us move and live more naturally. He says we can't all live in nature, but that doesn't mean that we can't live naturally. His idea about grounded living will inspire you to ditch your desk, ditch your chair and maybe even ditch your shoes. Last year, he ran the entire length of the UK completely barefoot and he has been featured in the Sunday Times, Men's Health, The Telegraph and BBC News. He hosts a number of workshops, retreats, live talks and podcasts. Welcome to the show, Tony Riddle, aka The Natural Life Stylist. Hey, Adrian. What an intro. Wow. Tony, I mean, I could have written more. I'm so, <laughs> so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm really grateful that we've been able to connect and that we can record this remotely due to the situation. It would have been fantastic to, yeah, to have you in the studio face to face. But here we are. We are making it work and doing our best. Um, so, I well, I don't know where to start with you, Tony. There's so many things that we could talk about today. But when I was prepping for this episode and thinking about, you know, the situation, we can't get away from it and, and how we're all having to adapt and change so much. But Tony, for you, your message, your philosophy, your ethos hasn't changed. What you're essentially talking to people about, you've been talking to them about for years, but it seems to me that people are now more open to hearing perhaps and open to ways of living better, living more naturally. They're looking for ways to change because maybe they have more time right now. So yeah, I guess if you could start off by talking to us about this idea of change and adaptation, given the situation that we're all faced with right now. Yeah, I, I think I think firstly to understand that human beings, it's our ultimate, we're ultimately great adaptation, aren't we? We're very highly skilled at it, but it's also understanding that we can adapt to good or bad and you know, becoming incredibly efficient at both. So um, for me, yes, you're right, 100%. It's the same message I'm delivering and have been for a very long period of time. And that's about normalizing nature or looking at social conditions of today and trying to bring in or align more biological normal ways of living within it. And 100% these times now, when we see that there's, there's that seismic shift, you can feel it. And when we create that, we create an opportunity for a reboot. It's rather like rebooting a system. And suddenly it's like we enter something with more of a, I'd say, a beginner's mind where maybe it's just, it's given us a bit of space in amongst the cluttered up consciousness to find, to see change, to hear things differently. 
um, to be more open. And I think that that comes down to time, really. I think if you imagine that recently what we got hit with, um, it changed overnight, didn't it? It literally changed within a breath. Suddenly our social norm or our social template that we'd all been experiencing for a very long period of time suddenly had a shift from one night to waking up the next morning. And for me, it doesn't matter what the social norm is, we should always be looking at what, what are natural norms? You know, what are our natural norms of today? And how do I, how do I again bring that in to any environment, no matter how extreme it is? For me, I mean, it's developing new habits within that habitat, isn't it? Previously, Adrian, I was having to ask people to look at how much time they spend outside. You know, and I, and I said, okay, we're this indoor generation, right? We spend 90% of our time indoors, plus, not 90% plus indoors. So 10% is spent outdoors. So the average urbanite is spending 90% of their time indoors. 83% of the UK live in urban environments. So suddenly we find that the value of being outside in lockdown is heightened, doesn't it? We're suddenly like, oh, wow, I can't wait to get outside. Whereas before, I've had to ask people to get outside. I was really having to persuade them to go and spend some time out, even under the sky, get away from the screen and choose sky time over screen time. Whereas now I think something very valuable has come out of this. Suddenly people, are, you know, they, they want to be outdoors. You know, suddenly we're, we're valuing it, aren't we? It's suddenly, oh, okay, I have this space and I have time. So if anything, out of this whole process, if we've gained that, I'd be a very happy human, you know, if that's suddenly a shift. And it takes 66 days, you know, to normalise a behavioural pattern. And I think that's what this language or conversation comes down to, is normalising, you know. That adaptation, it's just about normalisation. And what do we want to normalise? And for me, again, it always comes down to normalising nature. And as many, getting those natural needs met, as many needs as we can. We can look at what are the simple needs, right? There's, there's movement, there's sleep, there's food, there's sunlight, there's water, but that's just survival. But to thrive in theory, you need nourishing food, don't you? You need re- deep nourishing sleep. You need natural movement. You need natural light at the right time of day, particular times of day. Um, we need human contact and communication. And, and just, yeah, if you start to break it down that way and then start to apply nature to that, it's, quite profound what could actually come out of the situation absolutely and I really love what you say about this when I've heard you say that before you know surviving versus sorry thriving versus just surviving I think that's really powerful and I think for lots of people living you know incredibly demanding busy stressful fast-paced on-demand life this idea that you just said about normalizing they're normalizing surviving you know I I deliver a keynote sometimes uh, to you know corporate businesses well a wellness corporate businesses and I I talk about this idea that we've normalized these things like being sleep deprived you know Mm. being addicted to caffeine you know having pain having bloating having skin breakouts having discomfort back pain like all these things that i think we've normalized those things and kind of gone well everybody is addicted to caffeine everybody's tired when you ask people how they are and they say oh i'm exhausted people go yeah me too and they carry on the conversation it's like we've normalized this idea that living suboptimally living in this exhausted state being close to burnout well, Adrian, that just comes with the job. I work in London. What do you expect? You know, I've got kids, I've got this, I've got a job. It's it's almost become, that's become the new normal. And I think that when people try to think about 
living more naturally or living more holistically or even just you know ditching tech it's almost like oh you're so extreme you know that the word extreme comes up a lot I'm sure you probably Mm. hear that about you know is it is it extreme to you know consider how much movement you get in a day is it extreme to try and ditch tech and be in daylight is it extreme for you to be barefoot you know is that extreme do you hear that a lot yeah no of course I, I weigh I used to weigh up like this I had like a scale Adrian I'd have um, biologically normal often is perceived now as socially extreme, whereas biologically extreme is almost perceived as socially normal, right? So there's mm. hundreds of lifestyle-led conditions, right? Seeping through our society to the point they're now socially normal behaviors, right? And, and it's the symptoms that so many of us are going through are, are leading to what we now class as a vulnerable society right mm-hmm. so now we now now become so ubiquitous to our, our, our lifestyle that again it's just seen as socially normal but for me it, again i don't think it matters any wherever we even are on the on the what we consider as the social template of success today you could be a student proved to a billionaire it doesn't matter who you are it's again the same message if your physical social spiritual needs aren't met you're you're almost an animal in suffering. Mm. But again, it doesn't have to be that way. Innately, we're these incredible, wild, connected and empowered beings. It's in all of us. But unfortunately, we're just born into a tribe and it's a tribe of influence that then determines how we play out for the rest of our lives. And and if we don't have a shake-up or a wake-up or a seismic change like we've just had, unfortunately, again, those lifestyle habits are normalised and it it can take a bit of work to unravel it. And, and I do get it a lot. I mean, I, I, yeah, I run barefoot, but then I also understand biomechanics and I understand sensory information. So I can, I can bring it, I can bring science in, but I think when, when we are, when we are so ingrained in a dogma, unfortunately, we, we just not prepared to listen. Yeah. And it's interesting when you say about dogma and I think it's that lack of questioning, isn't it? Going to autopilot and not questioning. Is there a better way for me to feel? Is there something, you know, different that I could try or experiment with? Or, you know, are there alternatives to just, as you say, surviving? So with that in mind, you know, we can talk about our influence in our environment and all of those things, but what can we do about it? So Tony, as I mentioned in my intro about being anti-desk, anti-chair, anti-shoes. <laughs> Let's talk about that because, you know, I think it's super interesting, so relevant right now, the amount of people in my world that are telling me that they have had to order a new desk or a new chair or a footstool or this because they've got, you know, they're spending lots of time now on Zoom calls, emails, all these different things, and they're sitting for hours mm-hmm. in the chair. And therefore, even people who are, you know, early 20s, they're saying I've got neck pain, back pain, hip pain, you know, pain as if they're in their 80s and they're immobile. So how how can yeah what can we do and why should we be ditching the chair and ditching the desk uh, it's that very same language of normalized isn't it so um yeah i used to have a pilates studio and so pilates really has been associated with posture and mechanical low back pain and rehab and postural rehab and, and its roots its origins are incredible understand joseph pilates original work um he was a gymnast middleweight professional boxer worked in a circus um opened up his first practice above the New York City Ballet. So most of the um, clients he'd see were dancers or ex-dancers, very different to what would be a uh, the average person, let's say. So my studio 
again was it started off I was teaching one-to-ones and then I went into a larger studio and had six practitioners working for me hundreds of clients in and out the door large classes one-to-ones and most of the clients would probably drive to the session um, park their car up enter the gym um, come into the studio and then take off their footwear and leave their footwear at the door then come in get on the reformer or the Cadillac or the Wunder chair or on the mat and try and unravel the ills of their environment, right? So their normalized behaviors, they're suffering from symptoms from their normalized behaviors, and they're in there to try and unravel it, symptom relief, basically. Um, so then I used to see, right, what are the common things that I would see? And it was usually neck, knee injuries, lower back, necks. And then you start thinking, well, it's incredible. Why, why is this, right? The knee joint is an incredible shock absorber. You can cope with like 500 pounds of pressure. Why is it? If we believe, if we understand evolution and, you know, we started off with like 2000 sapiens, how do we get to this huge number if we're all so fragile, right? <laughs> and then you could just see it was just the footwear they were turning up in was compromising, really narrow in the toe box, complete opposite to the human foot. What's the next instance? Oh, it's sitting, right? They're all sitting in chairs and there are no chairs in nature, but people in nature are just a sedentary. Uh, okay, so how does that work then? Okay, so we looked at studies with the Hadzer and uh, this tribe in particular, a hunting tribe, they've got the same behavior they've had for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, so what is it they do differently? Okay, they, they live on the ground. Wow, how do they live on the ground? Well, there's, there's a multiple rest positions that we can choose on the ground that help feed and nourish our upright posture. Um, and there's no physios, osteopaths, Pilates studios, or yoga practitioners, practitioners in nature, yet they have this incredible physiology and ability to move right so i could then start to apply that and think wow okay so no chairs and no footwear um so they're the things right so what do i do do i keep do i keep dealing with symptom relief and coaching people in symptom relief or do i go to the cause and so for me it was then just i closed up the studio basically we we just we decided to open up a practice with two other friends it had a natural movement philosophy within it and in amongst that we were coaching people how to move naturally. So part of that underneath it, if I unravel it, um, I had, I had, we had kids, we had our first daughter, Lola. Um, we then looked at, okay, what's happening with her? Because if we're putting her in high chairs and car seats and stuff like that, I'm just, I'm, I'm basically just putting those templates in that I'm, that I'm trying to deal with the symptom relief within my studio. So eventually, when Millie was our second daughter, I'm like, okay, we just need to we need to basically take the chairs, the sofas away, and let's let's exist as a ground living family. And to others, they're like, socially extreme language was coming in. But then when you start to explain, well, actually, you know, if I'm dealing with mechanical low back pain all day with people, and I remove the chair from their environment, they suddenly become very mobile in the hips again, and mobile in the mid back, and the areas that are vulnerable through sitting become more stable and then if i then look to how it works in nature because my work is always about you know looking to the the natural beings and natural places of the world to find ways of living more in sync with human biology you can see again the running people or the natural movers of the world they simply don't have chairs they don't wear footwear and with running for instance like for me to run from land's end to john o'groats barefoot and get up every day and run 30 miles every single day for 30 days. Um, I, I put that down to having a ground living practice 
and not compromising my feet. So it meant that every day I'm ready. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think it's absolutely fascinating what you say around, to me, it describes like this domino effect. People with back pain, you know, they probably don't think about their feet or their big toe or their shoes and and actually also what you said about children and watching and observing your your daughters when they were young moving and you know it's interesting because I kind of thought as you were talking as a parent of an eight-year-old boy you know how many times do you hear parents say sit up at the table or sit properly or put your legs down or stop fidgeting or sit this way sit that way I hear people say even you know when you're on the train or you know when we used to use trains but when you're on the train or in the cinema or wherever where people say to their children you know sit up nicely sit properly put your legs and it's interesting because if you watch them I think the reason obviously that they move and fidget and the you know children know how to move their bodies they know how to be comfortable and as you said if you take them and give them the free reign to you know go and read a book go and write something go and create something do it however you want they'll probably naturally go to the floor they'll take their book to the floor or their paper crayons whatever they'll move around they might lie on their tummy they might sit on you know one one knee they might squat and actually it's interesting isn't it how naturally innately we do that as children and then as we grow up and as we get used to you know sit up straight sit on the chair put your legs down sit properly you start to condition yourself because you have to you have to sit down at school you have to sit in your car and it's it's interesting that you know when you scrap those things you know in prep for this episode I was thinking about it yesterday and I had my laptop on the floor and I was writing and I was moving and I found I was moving around every three to four minutes as opposed to in your chair you can probably sit for hours without moving Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, yeah, you hit nail on the head with schooling. I think it, it comes in in that level, doesn't it? Because up until school, we, we play. We just play, play, play. We play it being whatever it is. You know, we play with being on the ground and we move from one rest position to the other, but we do it so smoothly and beautifully. It's almost um, un- the unseen by the parent. And every single little motor school milestone, like my, my son is only seven months now, so every little motor school milestone, I'm so open to absorbing it. It's like, oh my God, did you see that? And you get to see him unraveling and he's trying to get to a very important rest position, which we know as the squat, but not as the squat we know as an exercise. The squat is simply a rest position and it's a position that you just drift in and out of. And that ultimately is the, it's like the macro skill And all the other little rest positions are like micro skills to get to that macro state. Because from there, guess what? We can stand up. And that's how we then, from standing, we can learn to walk, we can run, we can jump, we can lift, we can carry, we can balance. We can do all these amazing things. But if you remove the squat and you remove all the ground rest positions, you compromise that macro state of standing, walking, running, jumping, all of those. And what does the chair do? Of course, it removes all those lovely ground rest positions that led us to having that beautiful posture. And when you see kids in a squat, it looks so amazing. When you see them stand up, they have amazing posture. Again, children up to a certain age, they don't need Pilates, they don't need yoga, they don't need postural work. So what is it? And then we can say, right, okay, when I enter a classroom or that particular age, those hours, those endless hours of play, practicing and exploring my own physicality are removed. And I'm left to put in 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 a chair, and I'm also told to be quiet, right? So and sit still. That's the thing. Sit, sit still. still sit still. Not to run. Don't run in corridors, right? So then, what happens is then the play is designated to an hour that is usually on a playground, some concrete, right? And then that play is then removed, and it turns into a full-on lunch break, and you have to get back to the session, and your play is turned into something very serious, and it's called physical education. And physical education 
isn't aligned with the exploration of your full physicality because it's very specialized. And then you go from there and then you're told to sit down and be quiet again. So unfortunately, unless, unless if there's parents out there now, unless you are a parent where you're going to get your child out into nature and explore their own physicality, then, then they're going to end up in a Pilates studio or a yoga practice or a physio somewhere along the line when they're older. Mm. So if it's anyone out there that's looking to go back to work right now, you don't have a responsibility in the workplace more often than not. You might have to sit for hours upon end. But the key would be for me is to get people back um, to the ground and to offset your chair sitting. Um, and when you're at home, think, right, in the home environment, I have four responsibilities. So how do I make my home environment incredibly nourishing? How do I get those physical, social, spiritual needs met in my home environment? Because that's the place I can have control over and responsibility over. And I can turn my home environment from a position of survival and surviving into a position of growth promoting so I can thrive. As you just said, then, you know, if you have the agency right now, if you're working from home right now, this week, today, who knows, you might not be, it might be for another week, it might be for another month, we don't know right now. But if you have the agency right now, as you just said, and you're working from home, why not try, explore, this is the time surely to, you know, I was thinking about with my son, but also with your yourself, if you can, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, get your kids, maybe climbing trees outside, do, you know, have your lunch outside, sit on the floor and, and, and you know, sit in the garden if you have a, if you have a garden or go if you can to a green space and, and explore that idea of yeah take your shoes off like the weather's great right now what a great time to try it but also at home if you can yeah maybe sitting on the floor with your desk uh, sorry without your desk with your your laptop or your notebook or your book and trying to maybe even I guess if you could give us just three three things that we could you know we could do today right now you listen to this episode and then you go okay Tony said all of these things he said so many things I don't really know where to start <laughs> what's three things three things I can do today um, what can you do today? So, yeah, first thing is, you know, it, it could be even be if you're Netflix binging. So I say, um, okay, just get to the ground if you're Netflix binging. Just remove the chair. Practice kneeling, practice squatting. I also think, for me, it's about breath. So we haven't really cl- touched on that. But for me, breath work, I think, because breath work gives us an opportunity to downregulate. But also it's that rebooting conversation I brought in earlier where it gives you an opportunity to see things differently outside of your social template. Mm-hmm. Um, so a simple little down-regulating tool would just be a four-second inhale or an up-through-the-nose up inhale. And then a relaxing exhale. And if you've just practiced a three-minute round of that, it's really just an opportunity to just completely change your perception in a breath. Um, if you're finding you're getting up, upregulated or you're stressed with the current situation or it might be even a stressful phone call or email or anything, take it to the breath and just do a few rounds of breath. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes. For those people that maybe have kids, again, if you've been faced with suddenly you're a homeschooling parent and you're not familiar with it, then breath. Take it to breath because it will just change your template and you'll be able to operate at a frequency that maybe your kids are permanently in. Um, and then nature i often say that bringing nature into the home as much as you can so that might mean images of nature or simply plants you know studies show that 20 minutes immersed in nature will um, lower cortisol blood pressure heart rate um if you combine that with breath then wow what a profound experience huh um set timers as well timers are really beneficial so if you're working say now behind your screen 
for 25 minutes, anything beyond 25 minutes, your physiology will start to stagnate. Mm -hmm. um, so timer goes off, ding, okay, move away from the screen, go off, have a little move around, have a little walk around, um, practice in ground rest position, go back to the screen. Then next round, just don't go back to the chair, take it to the ground. If you have an ironing board, use an ironing board as a standing desk. Um, there's so much you can do within the home environment to flip it. Mm, get creative. Um, get creative. But again, I, I think part of that creative creativity is also going back into something that I think I mentioned we'd lost really in that school environment, and that's play. Mm, yeah. You know, be much more playful in the environment. Look at your environment again as quite nourishing. Right. How do I play within this space? Okay. What can I be doing? You know, we removed our, our beds. Um, and we went back to ground living fully, um, as in we just have like an organic woolen topper to sleep on. Um, it's like a super emperor. So it's, a, it's massive, right? But it just <laughs> takes up a floor space. Mm -hmm. And we can just simply roll it up and put it away. And then we've gained this huge space to be able to, again, play and move in. So you also don't have any chairs, do you, Tony, in your house? So for anyone listening who's not familiar with, with you and, and haven't discovered you before, Tony, a yeah, family of six, four children and no chairs in the house. And I didn't know that you'd also um, yeah, taken away like the beds and bed frames. But I can imagine for them, you know, it's, as you said, this playful freedom to move, to roam, to climb, to sit. It is, I guess, as you, I love that you said, bringing the outside in, because often I think people yeah. say, you know, when I ask, when they talk about nature and it's such a, it's become, you know, this, this thing that people feel a bit like almost they forget that it's not possible for everyone. You know, there's lots of factors and systems around, you know, social economic and, you know, all these things around just geography of where you live. And so often I think it's quite a, you know, short sighted for people to go get outside in nature, you know, go outside more. And yes, it would be great if we could. And, you know, this, I read a statistic about children in the UK often are outside for less than an hour a day, whereas prisoners in prison cells go outside for an hour a day. So mm. it's, you know, it's shocking stuff. But actually, I love that you said that you can bring some of the outside in because if you don't have the access to, you know, a lovely nature trail or a forest or, or woods, or, you know, if you're not, if you're living in the middle of a city in a concrete jungle as, as it is, perhaps bringing the nature in is that yeah is that going to be as beneficial other things if we feel like the environment is working against us there are things we can do inside the home to, to optimize that yeah i mean there's, there's studies Adrian, on on um they show it like a flip book like a scenes of urban settings and measuring people like with heart that their heart rhythm let's say and, and and they show that the heart rate and blood pressure or fight and flight response as we know it sympathetic state if they see an urban setting, like grey buildings. And then when you show them a scene of nature, there's a, there's a lowering of heart rate, blood pressure again. So simply just seeing nature can switch us from being in a sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state, which we know is rest and digest. So um, even water scenes, like this is incredible. So if they show you a natural, a natural water scene, waterfall, pond, lake, parasympathetic if you see a fountain in an urban setting sympathetic mm. so even scenes like nature scenes again that you can bring in the home will have a, a huge shift but i would also say that you know as, as i said earlier 83 like percent of the uk live in urban environments right and we say 90 percent plus time indoors wow so 10 percent is like two hours 24 minutes and and that's tough for some people to achieve but and but try and get some percentage outside, I would say, because you know London has something like eight eight million trees, 
um, 3,000 parks, 30,000 allotments. I mean, that's, I mean, it's huge, right? Yeah, there is and space. Three million, and 3 million gardens. So there's, there's a lot of green space, but it just means that you have to, you have to prioritize getting outside. And to do that, I would say just almost like that 24-hour day that you have, that we've suddenly gained more hours, I would put time in there for nature. Book it in your diary and commit to it. Well, it's great that you said, you know, taking some time and prioritising that time because, Tony, you could not have segued me better into talking to you about the Power Hour. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So for anyone who listens to this show regularly, they will know all about my philosophy around prioritizing your time and starting the day first thing in the morning for me, bright and early. And I guess what I should say, because there's quite a, new, a few new listeners to this show, what the power hour is and what it isn't. So it's not the idea that you have to be, you know, productive every hour, every minute, you know, wake up earlier, do more, do more, do more. That's not the message. The, the theory for me around getting up earlier was that actually one hour in the morning gave me the freedom and the space to prioritize things that I wanted to, that I used to say mm. I didn't have time for. So, you know, having children, having a busy life, having this on-demand digital world, being connected to people 24-7 if we want to. For me, I need the hour now in the morning where my first hour is, yeah, my power hour. It's where I, it's, it's magic golden time for me, you know, in a, uninterrupted, undisrupted. So I ask every guest on the show if they can talk to us about their morning routine and their power hour, as I call it. So Tony, can you tell us what time do you wake up in the morning and what does the first hour of your day look like these days? I always wake up at the same time, regardless. So I, I wake up at 5.30 and then um, I lay there. Yeah, I kind of, I, I'm up at 5.30, but I lay there and I, and I pandiculate. I call it pandiculate like a cat. You know, a cat, they don't stretch. They have that rippling kind of, it's, it's, it's not actively stretching. You're just looking to open up the joints and just, yeah, reach out if you like. Almost mm-hmm. like I'm stretching my legs out in front of me. So that's a bit of pandiculation. Then I articulate my joints. I roll my my ankles and my hips and my wrists and then I get straight into breath in the bed and I already start with my kind of um, gratitude practice that I have Um, but I do it straight through breath so I'm kind of raising the vibration if you like before breathing with through breathing before um, gratitude or intention setting for the day Um, then I sneak out the room so I don't wake anyone up and then I go into uh, living space and I have a sequence, a mobility sequence that I do, which takes me 30 minutes, which really is, again, about unraveling the areas that I feel that are possibly tense, you know, um, mainly through rotation, rotations or shaking. So I'm, I'm really big on shaking, kind of that nervous system, shaking the body up. Um, and then I'm straight out into the terrace and underneath the blue sky. So I allow, you know, blue sky is... is the lux of that light is really powerful and it will dump out any melatonin 
um, those sleepy hormones will dump out. You get a hit of serotonin, so it's immediate straight in happy hormones. Um, and just a great, great way to wake up, right? So yeah, it sounds from... dreamy. I've seen this. So if anyone wants to witness this for themselves, they can go and see your Instagram and sometimes there's videos or stories where you can see yeah. this, um, yeah, these mobility sequences that you talk about. And, the, and know... they're always different though. So I play with it. So it's, it's kind of, I'm, I guess it, because it's play, it's not so strict. It's like, what does it feel like? Mm. I think I play with what, what, what's coming up for me within the body rather than it be a strict routine. So if anyone is looking in on it, it's different every day. Yeah. So there's stuff you can always pick up on there. Then I, tell, I go to the mat outside, sorry, hydrate. So there's water in there. I take, I take a symbiotic, which is a probiotic and a prebiotic, um, first thing. Hydrate, uh, put a kettle on. We have like a traditional old one that whistles, which I love. Mm-hmm. It kind of helps my morning. And then I'm out on the terrace and I, um, I do 100 cycles of breath alternate nasal so 10 on the left nostril 10 on the right nostril 10 cycle 10 rounds like that um i have a freezer set up outside um so it's always on for an ice bath yes i've seen and this so i go from my breath and i get into the ice bath and that that all depends on how long i need in there so there's no i'm not looking for a pb other than a present best it's just mm-hmm. what's available in that moment and that might be two minutes, it might be 10 minutes, just whatever um, happens on the day. But it's just so that I find that moment of being. And then I'm back in the house. I have a movement sequence to warm up. And then the kids are normally up. So now, then the house is full with the sounds of now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I just, again, I think that morning routine, is, it sets me up for the whole day. I'm sure it does. Well, I like, you know, you said about opportunity and kind of this opportunity. I think right now it's like, okay, if you've never considered doing some of these things and you've listened to this podcast before, then you might have heard other guests talking about having ice showers in the morning or talking about having movement practices in the morning or early morning breath work, meditation. Lots of the guests on the show have have shared their, their morning routines and there's things that people often say, oh, I might give that a go. I might give that a try. So I'd really Mm -hmm. encourage you if you have a bit of extra time, you know, and you're not commuting or you're not something that you used to do in the morning if you want to try some of these things you know it's a great time to to try and see how it impacts you know your mood often when people do yeah maybe first hear about this ice bath ice you know they're hearing you say you've got a freezer you know in the morning they're like oh mm. my, you know this is i've heard i've seen people actually before kind of roll their oh. eyes and almost laugh and go oh you know it's ridiculous you know this ice thing is a new thing and, like, and it's actually i don't know whether that comes from perhaps a that response where that comes from but I think actually when you are open to trying things sometimes you just have to think you know what you can talk about the science we can talk about this we can talk about that sometimes I'm like just try you be your own you know scientist experiment whatever you want to call it and just be open to going you know what let me just try see how you feel because until you've tried it like anything you know like like getting up early like you know moving like having your work on the floor without your chair until you've tried it how do you know what the potential impact and benefit could be on your life yeah, it's like, you know, it's, um, it's like taking people out into nature. I don't know any person I, I've taken out into nature who's come back and said, 
No, didn't enjoy that. <laughs> Hated it. Well, actually, one friend of mine, she says she does. And I'm always like, how can you? She's like, I don't yeah. like the, she's like, I don't like the insects. I don't like the this. I don't uh, like that. And it's so funny because I think there's only one lady I probably know who, if you could get her to love nature, wow, that would be, uh, that would be a, a big ask. So my closing question for every guest, as I'm obsessed with time and living with urgency and feeling like we can't get more time, so we must make the most of it. So Tony, if you were to gain an extra hour every day if your day now had 25 hours in it what would you use that extra hour to do um i would use it to do more inner work you know more of the breath more meditation um more nature immersion um i i'm okay with the sleep and getting up at the same time but i think the inner practices just make such a difference to the way i perceive the world mm-hmm. and it helps calm kind of the inherited inherited mindset or language that we all have you know it's an opportunity to just dump out anything that i've i've absorbed in my earliest years and it enables me to steer my ship authentically Mm. and through that also it means i can see and hear when others aren't quite speaking or being their truth too so for me it's the inner work i'd always spend any extra time i have on my own internal world because my internal world dictates how I see my external world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the lockdown leg challenge, which I have said yes to, uh, you know, as I the <laughs> first uh, first connection that we've had, and it's going to be a virtual run. I obviously, I can't say no to these challenges, Tony. I don't know what it is about me, <laughs> but I've said yes. I'm the only female on the team. So I'm proudly waving the flag for the women. And yeah, we're going to yes. run a hundred mile relay in less than 24 hours. We are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, last year I ran Land's Edge Not a Groat there for 30 days. It's kind of my 30-day challenge. And then this year, in what's just passed May, I was going to run um, the Three Peaks. So as most people, as some people know, Three Peaks involves the three highest peaks in the UK, and you climb them within 24 hours. But you're, you drive between each peak, so the whole distance is 485 miles, including the peaks. And so I decided, right, I'm going to run it. And I wanted to do it in record time, which was nine days, and finished at the summit of Ben Nevis on my 45th birthday. Um, that passed two weeks ago because of lockdown. Um, but it did mean there's a lot of mileage in my legs, and I was getting itchy feet, and I needed to shake out my, my lockdown legs. So it's like, right, what can we do? Okay, let's create a lockdown leg. And I'd, I remember listening way back to a podcast with um, Jesse Itzler and Rich Roll, and he was talking about David Goggins. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. He's my biggest fan. Everyone on the show, I'm his biggest fan. Everyone on the show knows yeah. that. I'm, a, I'm obsessed. Yeah. Well, there you go. And it was, it was discussing about the time Jesse Itzler, because Jesse Itzler invited him to his home. Yeah. That's kind of what catapulted him at that time, yeah. living with the seal. Yeah. Anyway, so he looked, Jesse Itzler looks across and there's a David Goggin sitting in his chair eating a pack of crackers. And he's <sighs> like, well, how's this guy going to do that? Because Jesse Itzler's there with six of his homies yeah. and uh, uh, an um, entourage of massage therapists and physios and God knows what else and a camper and um they do it between the six of them so i thought well we can do why don't we do a, a lockdown leg why don't we create like this 100 mile relay create it as a virtual relay um only one person can run at a time and they literally hand over the virtual baton to the next person and we do exactly that the jesse it's the style of completing 100 miles but between six people 
achieving a 100-mile ultra, I think. It's beautiful a beautiful way of doing it. I cannot wait because I know that I wouldn't be doing 100 miles on my own. But I think as a part of a team, I'm super excited to be involved. And if anyone's listening, we're actually encouraging them to get into teams of six and they can join this challenge as well, right? Absolutely. And it's a it's for charity, right? It's just for charity. So um, you with your team of six, you register through www.lockdownlegs.com. And then through that process, you then also offer your, your, um, your particular charity. So every team has a charity. Um, it's 20 pounds to enter per person. All the money goes into a central charity pot, GoFundMe. And then at the end of the 24 hour ultra, where everyone's run over that weekend, the 13th and the 14th of June, a name or group will be drawn out of the lockdown hat. And that that charity, that group will then, their charity will get the whole pot. The wow. Funds. wow. Because what I felt was, Adrian, if you can imagine, if it went to the winning team, you might have six incredible endurance athletes enter, and then it would be their team that win. So sure. it felt, you know, much, a much, you know, a nicer way of doing it, I would say, is to put it all into one hat. Absolutely. And we will have a draw. Amazing. Absolutely. And then it's, as you said, it takes away that it's not about competition. It's not about how fast. Obviously, we have this no. this goal that we, you know, 24 hours goal. But actually, I would really, yeah, I really want people to, to hear that. It's that actually, if you get into a team of six and, you know, in May, I hosted a run challenge, which I did not expect to to you know grow to the as big as it did but i said to people you know let's try and run 100k in may and initially i know some people went 100k in may no way then they broke it down and went oh hang on a minute how i could 5k 3k i could do 5k i could do 3k a day like i could do this yeah and they did and yeah. so many you know thousands of people did it and then you know through strava they get said oh you know i actually got to the end of may i felt this amazing sense of achievement i didn't think i could do it so if you're hearing this and thinking 100 miles in, in 24 hours in a team of six oh you know that's for for ultra runners or that's for obviously if you're a brand new runner you know this is a be sensible be cautious make sure that you know you're doing what you what is is best and right for you right now but if it's just a thing of oh I don't know I don't think you know break it down look as you said in a strategy of like okay maybe one stronger runner wants to do you know if you can make up some extra miles and if you're a newer runner you could maybe do 10 miles and think about how you could do it because I'd really encourage you if you can to get involved as as Tony said it's two weeks away 13th and 14th of June I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to be posting about it. I'm going to be out um, supporting. And as you said, it's for charity. It's not about competition. I think right now, what it's a great taking thing. taking part, right? Yeah. It's the taking part. And if there's any mileage at the end, you know, those stronger ones in the team might want to eat that up too. <laughs> well, let's see, because we need to strategize. So in our team, it's yourself and me. And then it's Richie Norton, who's been on the podcast before, the Strength Temple, as he, as he was then. Yep. The Happy Pair and Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. Rongan Chatterjee. So there's yeah. six so of we, us. So within our team, six yeah. in the team. Yeah. So Again, so we'll be, we'll be planning our time and our schedule and who's going off at what time and um, shotgun taking the we... early one shotgun taking the power hour yeah it's gonna be great the early one <laughs> oh my gosh I'm so excited to get involved in it so thank you for um, inviting me to join the team and yeah if you want to know more information as Tony said you can go to lockdownleg.com is it dot com yeah lockdownleg.com or have a look at me on social so at the natural lifestylist you'll see posts and stories on there regularly yes um yeah it's all there really but www.lockdownleg or even look at the hashtag for lockdownleg as well
brilliant and we'll put a link in the show notes too so you cannot miss it if you want to get involved and as tony said he is the natural lifestylist on instagram you can type in tony riddle and you'll find him on multiple different platforms and i would really encourage you to do so one hour is never going to be enough time to dive into all of this man's expertise and his wonderful world so i can just encourage you to go in deeper if you've enjoyed this conversation then yeah you won't you won't regret that time and if you think someone else would enjoy this conversation then please do share the episode with them um, let us know rate review all of that stuff tag it on stories i love everyone's feedback i appreciate it so much you know i've i've continued to keep the show going even though i can't record in the studio and sound quality isn't how i would love it to be but i appreciate hey. every one of the listeners giving us an hour of their time every single week adrian thank you super thank really, you so much um, thanks for having me on it's been brilliant thanks tony thank let's, you for your time. let's start running thanks for listening everyone have a great week see ya Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 